What happens when you put an unstoppable force like the 15-win Carolina Panthers led by MVP Cam Newton? It's Newton. They to run it. He is in for the touchdown! Up against an immovable object that led the NFL all season in sacks with a total of 52. Gronkowski back out here for third and ten. Manning is sacked yet again. It's Vaughn Miller. He hasn't stopped running this entire game. You get this. And the Panthers have a third and ten. Here comes pressure, and they've gotten to him. The ball is out in the end zone. With retirement looming, it was the signature play by Super Bowl MVP Vaughn Miller and that Denver defense that helped Peyton Manning reach his football paradise. I'm totally convinced that the end of my football career is just the beginning of something I haven't even discovered yet. Life is not shrinking for me. It's morphing into a whole new world of possibilities. Pundits will speculate that my effort and drive over the past 18 years were about mastery and about working to master every aspect of the NFL game. Well, don't believe them. Because every moment, every drop of sweat, every bleary-eyed night of preparation was about one thing, reverence for this game. Let me say this loud and clear. Does that make sense? Anybody out there wants to throw some questions at us at MSW Sports? It glued everyone's eyes to the television. Sure. You know, I hear waste of money and things like that. I mean, it's not your money. So who cares? Welcome to Making Sense with Mark and Tom. Here are your hosts, Michael Mack and Tom Hellis. Cam Newton decides not to dive in there. And yeah, he backed away football. from it. He, he jumped away instead of jumping into the pile. Yep, I guess he made a decision it wasn't worth to go in there and get it. Should have dove in, had a chance to recover it. I mean, we had our opportunities. It wasn't nothing special that they did. We dropped balls, we turned the ball over, gave up sacks, threw errant passes. That's it. They scored more points than that. Can you put in the words for disappointment you feel right now? We lost. Did you change the in defensively to take away your running lanes? No. I know you're disappointed not just for yourself but your teammates because you guys talked about how you are a band of brothers coming in. Uh, yeah, it's got to be real tough for everybody that lost it. Boys got to throw the ball. You throw the football. That was game plan. Both of us, one of the, the football game is literally bouncing on the ground. The Super Bowl, it's right there for Cam to save. You know, at the end of the day, um, when you invest so much time, when you sacrifice so much, and things don't go as planned, um, I, think, I think emotions take over. The media wasn't picking up what Cam Newton had put down in Super Bowl 50. That fumble where he literally had the ball in eyesight, where he could have dove on it, 
He didn't. And I thought he came off as being contrite. I mean, for instance, do you think that Cam Newton avoided injury? Because that was his excuse to dive in and save the Super Bowl for his Carolina Panthers? Because I don't. He came off as being contrite. He came off as being a player who avoided the moment and who didn't want to talk about it because he knew he messed up. That was a big play in that game. It will be 214 days leading up to September 8th since Super Bowl 50 was played. In fact, football withdrawal has been so bad at this point that the CFL is reporting an uptick in viewership over the last couple of weeks. Just kidding. We love you, Canada. But really, training camps have been underway, people are studying for their fantasy football drafts, and soon, the weekly ritual of football will begin. But before we get there, let's go back. Let's recap what led up to the 2016 NFL season. Uh, man, still surreal. I, I mean, I'm, oof, kind of crazy. And I'm sitting up here and talking to you guys um, on another team, um, <laughs> another colors. <laughs> it's kind of um, still surreal. So, but I'm blessed, and I'm very, very fortunate enough to be here with this you know, magnitude of an organization. Um, I can't say enough of great things about it. Um, The history here is 84 years plus. Um, So um, this is the golden age of football when you come down here to, you know, NFC East. So I'm loving it right now. That man just got $36.5 million guaranteed on a five-year, $75 million contract. How did he get there? Let's go back. Carolina loses the Super Bowl. They want to retain him. They use the franchise tag. During the conversations, they realize it's going to cost way too much money for him to stay there. They don't want to spend the kind of money that he wants when they don't think his value is there. He's a little older. He's not too old. But they know he's going to ask for too much. They rescind the franchise tag. It's maybe happened once ever. He goes to free agency. Washington, per usual, is waiting in the wings. They scoop him. He's now in the NFC East. Yeah, Josh Norman was the Carolina Panthers' star-studded cornerback. Made all the big plays, all the great interceptions. But in a fashion that we haven't seen really in NFL history, is released and is now on the Washington Redskins. The Redskins love their cornerbacks. Champ Bailey. Sean Springs, D'Angelo Hall. They love the big name guys. Even Dion. Even Dion. And they love to pay them. They're well compensated. So this is something that Washington is accustomed to doing. They they haven't strayed away from building through the draft or assigning guys at a bargain basement price. They pay big money for big names. Question is, will big names produce big stats? In, In the past, it hasn't worked out. Exactly. Here's a big name, RG3. Here's a team that doesn't normally do something, the Cleveland Browns. Mm -hmm. They went out, picked up RG3, in what was possibly one of the more underrated pickups of the year. They now have a starting cornerback going forward. That quarterback will be the face of the franchise for this year, maybe in the future if he does well. But right now, all indications are he's working with Hugh Jackson. Josh Gordon came off of indefinite suspension. A plus. He'll be back at some point. Teams are asking. 
I don't think they're going to be giving up anything to, to get rid of him, though. No, I mean, and you talk about Hugh Jackson, Tom. He is the quarterback whisperer. So if there's anybody who needs to be accompanied with RG3, it's him. Hugh Jackson's done great things in Cincinnati. So things are moving you know, well on that on that forefront. And we know that they're looking to move away from the... the, the Demise. <laughs> yeah, and, and really go toward a new spectrum of, of getting players. And they think this analytical approach by signing RG3 is going to help. Yeah, and you know what? It doesn't really hurt that they've got a nice attitude going forward, seeing as how Cleveland Cavaliers just won the championship. It, things are looking a little bit more rosy in Cleveland versus what they normally would look like. They may change it to Cleveland. Who knows? <laughs> Next, we move to another team that did something that you wouldn't have expected. The New York Giants. Mm. They decided to go ahead and drop $115 guaranteed million dollars in three separate signings. Janoris Jenkins, cornerback from the Rams, Olivier Vernon, defensive end from Miami, and Damone Harris, defensive tackle from the Jets, all come and join the G-Men this year. Big-time money on defense that you do not normally see from the New York Giants. Yeah, Damone Harris, a big middle guy, um, formerly of the Jets. Big addition there. Giants are a good team offensively, but defensively, they wanted to attack on all three forefronts. You hear about the three lines of defense. D-line, linebacker, D-back, they adjust all three in free agency. Will it pan out? Who knows? Yeah, and we'll see. I mean, they are going the Washington Redskin route, but maybe they'll hit on one or two of these guys instead of just going for the one big one in Norman. Hopefully. To all you quarterbacks out there, please make sure you send something out to Brock Osweiler. He got compensated for about four games worth of play last year for the Super Bowl champs, Denver Broncos. Four years, $72 million deal, 37 of which was guaranteed. Tyrod Taylor, we're looking at you. You got your contract. Mm-hmm. Six years, $90 million. Cap friendly later on after the second year. We'll see how that pans out for Buffalo. But going forward, this isn't the first time we've seen quarterbacks get paid. No. But they got he got paid, basically, off of a four-game stint. I was shocked when he got the money that he did get. I know Houston... They wanted the former Denver Bronco, Peyton Manning, but they couldn't reel him in. So, second best thing, let's get his backup at Denver. Yes, Tom mentioned that he started four games. Wasn't the best four games we've seen from a quarterback, but still, modest numbers. And Houston looked at the market, saw it was swelled up because the Jets, which we'll get into later, signed Ryan Fitzpatrick. Much later, though. Yeah, and they ended up going with the younger, bigger quarterback. We don't know yet if he's going to be able to deliver, but in those four games, it tells us something. Now we move to the running backs. There seemed to be a theme going on with this, so follow me here. Big name running backs on the move. Once again, often injured Arian Foster has a new fit with Sonny Miami, but he may be coming off the bench to start the season. We're not really quite sure if they're going to give him the carries that he thinks he deserves going forward. Uh Then you've got former Dolphin Lamar Miller, four years, $26 million deal. That's a pretty big contract for a running back these days. Yeah, um, he's going to be the future back there in Houston. So now you have a new quarterback, you have a new running back. All you fantasy lovers, Lamar Miller could be that player that gets you over the top and wins your league. Chi-Town released veteran Matt Forte who replaced Chris Ivory 
in the Big Apple for the Jets. Ivory moves south, like so many snowbirds from New York, and former two-time Pro Bowler Alfred Morris decided to bolt from Washington to a crowded Dallas backfield. Is he going to get any playing time there? You know, I, I would hope so, because think about this. Dallas drafted a running back with their first pick. They signed home run hitter Alfred Morris out of Washington. And don't forget, they still have DeMarcus uh, Fadden, or McFadden, excuse me. He ran for 1,000 yards last season. They so, literally have three backs in that backfield that can tote the rock, so to speak. Little known fact, Darren McFadden was only one of seven NFL running backs last season to rush over 1,000 yards. So now we saw where it was DeMarco Murray, that running back is now gone, and now it's a running back by committee. And let's not forget, they're running behind the best offensive line in football. Right now, DeMarco Murray is with Tennessee. Oh. He signed a big-time contract for Tennessee. Things are moving up for them. They want to run the ball. In fact, I think you're going to see them run the ball more than any other team this year. So be on the lookout for that. All of these things are connected. They've shuffled. That's all they've done. Literally, they've just said, okay, we're going to take this piece and move it here. That piece is going to move here. That piece is going to move here. And everybody still has pretty much the same running backs that they had before. The only guy that's new is Ezekiel Elliott, right. basically. Let me ask you, Tyler, and this is on the spot here, but what running back do you think who moved teams is going to have the biggest impact on their new team? So we're saying old face, new place. I think it's Murray because of how much they really? want to run the football there. I think they're committed, and that's what it takes. You saw Buffalo last year. They were committed. And sure, McCoy didn't get as many yards as he has in the past. He was hurt. But when you look at the overall team, you look and you see how many yards they put up, they were number one in the rush. So, yeah, I think it's going to be Murray because I think they're going to hand him the ball over and over and over again, and that team is set up for the run. Marcus Mariota is going to be a dangerous fit for that. He's going to be slightly like Tyrod Taylor was for the Bills last year, a threat to run, but they're going to show you that they can run all day long behind DeMarco Murray. Carlos Williams, another former Buffalo Bill, he may be somebody that we need to look at as a guy that can step in and help out going forward. Yeah, he was released by Buffalo Led the team in touchdowns for the Bills last season. He's a rookie. He cleared waivers, so he's out there. Will a team pick him up? Yes, of course. Yes. Will he add great value to a team? No. Wow. Really? No, because, yes, he scored the most touchdowns for a running back, and maybe even for any offensive player. But I will say this. He is still a backup in this league. He is not a number one option. He came into camp overweight. He got into trouble. He had a four-game suspension. He was still overweight when he was in camp. He was still overweight once they got to the second week of preseason. They did the right thing. Didn't he report at like 261 or something crazy? When they were trying to say he was... 229? (laughs) So, yeah, he's just a backup running back in this league. Hmm. Jonathan Williams is going to come in just fine. And, of course, they signed Reggie Bush, another guy that moved to another team. (laughs) So we kept that one out. 
Los Angeles, a magnet for film stars and football teams. The St. Louis Rams will head to the U.S.'s second largest TV market for the start of the 2016 National Football League season. Rams owner Stan Kroenke stands to generate greater revenue from naming rights, TV, and future hosting of the Super Bowl in a state-of-the-art stadium in Los Angeles over their current home in St. Louis. It is a homecoming for the St. Louis Rams. After a day of deliberation, the NFL owners have selected the Rams to move to Los Angeles, and the vote wasn't even close. The St. Louis Rams are now in L.A. Mike, you're a Rams fan. You're actually a diehard Rams fan. Yep. You started watching them when they were in St. Louis, the greatest show on turf. I remember when they were in L.A. Flipper Anderson was throwing up massive amounts of yards, and they really weren't that good even in L.A. But L.A. needed a team. It was the second biggest market in the United States, and it didn't even have an NFL team when it used to have two. It wasn't the Raiders. It wasn't the Chargers. The Rams came back to L.A. How does this change things? You know, it changes things a lot because the... St. Louis Rams were the beloved gateway team. Even though Kansas City was there with St. Louis, they were right there. Um, They had lineage built. They had the Super Bowl appearances. They had one victory. They had the names to shine across the board. The Marshall Flux, the Trent Grains, the Kurt Warners, Torrey Holtz, Isaac Bruce. I can go on and on and on and on and on. But something felt missing in L.A. And without football being in St. Louis... You're going to see people all across the NFL wide uh, frame saying St. Louis instead of L.A. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. It's you yeah. know, it, it's so accustomed to being the St. Louis Rams. Yeah, it's going to take time. I mean, it's hard for me to sell, say the L.A. Rams, you know. I mean, the L.A. Rams. Right. It, it's the, no. The Los Angeles Rams? Yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah, I'm watching Hard Knocks. I'm just seeing how players are getting adjusted to the life because it's different. I mean, you have the Lakers, you have um, the Angels, you have different franchises out there, but it's your first year there, and it's new, so the microscope's on you. And they've already pretty much sold out. I mean, they've got every single ticket locked up, people are ready to go, and they're on board. They can't wait. So this is exactly what Stan Kroenke wanted, this is exactly what the NFL wanted, all the ownerships wanted it, and I think you're going to see it happen again. Now, who's going to be the partner? We're not sure. It didn't happen this year, but we'll definitely be looking at it in the future. And one thing you definitely want to start off with if you're going to start in a new city is a new face of your franchise. With the first pick in the 2016 NFL Draft, the Los Angeles Rams select Jared Goff, quarterback, California. And that's how the 2016 NFL Draft started. The entire night filled with spectacles. And of course, before that, there were different picks being moved. Players being moved in exchange for draft picks. How did the Rams get that first overall pick, you ask? They moved it with Tennessee. And then the next pick, Carson Wentz, went to Philly by way of Cleveland, which they ended up getting RG3, so that helps with them. But throughout the night, there were picks and there were stories that helped shape the night and hopefully shape these franchises for the future as we know it. With the fourth pick in the 2016 NFL Draft, the Dallas Cowboys select Ezekiel Elliott, running back, Ohio State. 
And let's not forget the one guy that was touted as a top five pick out of Ole Miss. Left tackle Laramie Tunzel. It was crazy how literally minutes before the draft, all of a sudden a video surfaces. Completely planned, no doubt about it. And he ended up falling. But there was a team that took advantage of that fall. And now he should be with that team for the next 10 years because of one video. He ended up losing millions and millions of dollars. With the 13th pick in the 2016 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Laramie Tunsil. Tackle, Ole Miss. I'm blessed just to be here. Like, you go through adversity in life, and it's, it's, it was, it's what you overcome. And I'm going to overcome this adversity, and I'm going to show everybody what I'm, what I'm about. You know, we talked to your agent, Jimmy Sexton. He talked about your Twitter account being hacked. It's even suggested that maybe there was some blackmail involved. Did you see this picture? Is the picture you? Like I said, I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about that right now. I just know I got hacked, and I'm, we're trying to find out who did it. But like I said, I'm, I'm blessed just to be here in the NFL. I'm blessed just to be a part of the Miami Dolphins organization. Is it you? Yes, I'm blessed. A player that maybe doesn't feel quite as blessed as Laramie Tunzel does is Tom Brady. Last year, he battled Deflategate all year and won. He didn't get suspended. He played the whole entire year. This year, it reared its ugly head again. It's like a zombie that came back from the dead. All of a sudden, it's everywhere. And people are talking about him going into court and is he going to appeal and how high is it going to go? Is he going to bring it to the Supreme Court? Well, he got four games. He's accepted it. He's not going any further with it. He didn't want to go into this situation because it was going to, quote-unquote, tarnish his reputation. It's not the case. He's a bona fide Hall of Famer. First ballot, without question. Possibly the greatest quarterback of all time. But this may have been the biggest story that we saw during the entire offseason. And because of the deflate gate hangover from the last year, nobody really even wanted to talk about it or listen to it anymore. We have breaking news in the world of football. Big news about the really most biggest player in the NFL, you could say. The Second Circuit Court of Appeals here in New York has reinstated the suspension on Tom Brady. Someday we'll mention Deflate Gate, but he's going to end potentially with another Super Bowl. You looked at their schedule. I think it was time to move on. I think they're the favorites in the AFC and another great season. This will just be a sentence 50 years from now. At this point, we always see the amount of suspensions that the NFL hands out. And this year's no different. We've had, obviously, what we just talked about, Tom Brady, four games, almost unprecedented. And I think, I don't remember the last time somebody of his ilk, so to speak, his excellence has ever been suspended like that. But there wasn't anybody else that we wanted to look at and say, hmm, they don't compare because there are guys that are important to their teams. Marcel Darius, another suspension, four games this year for not taking a drug test to go along with another one for Le'Veon Bell. His was four, it got dropped down, reduced to three. So we'll see what happens with Darius and that, see if that's possible for him. Randy Gregory, a guy that has a big name, but hasn't really done much in this league. 
again suspended for four games. A weird one, one that's going to be talked about, Josh Brown, a kicker. I don't ever remember a kicker being suspended for any reason, to be honest with you. One game for domestic abuse. Now, why he would get one game for domestic abuse over somebody who either missed a drug test or failed a drug test, getting four, may be a topic for a whole nother show. But that's something that is going to be talked about and bantered and has been up to this point. The ins and outs of it might dictate why it's one game, but it just doesn't seem right. Then you move to Lane Johnson, starter on the offensive line for Philadelphia. His second suspension now, as far as drug abuse or pet abuse. Ten games. He's going to be looked at hard going forward. I would not be surprised, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people are thinking the same thing. Who knows if he's going to remain in Philadelphia going forward if it continues. Rolando McLean may never see him play again. He's suspended for ten games as well. He was supposed to have a comeback in Dallas. It just did not happen. Josh Gordon is making a comeback. He's been reinstated, yet he's still suspended for four games. When that's over, we'll see if he can get back to the former greatness that he was what once was when he was on his game because he can literally be the best receiver in the league if he can get back to that. I don't really know what to say when you have a guy that you lose for a year in Martavius Bryant out of Pittsburgh. It's going to hurt them for sure, especially with Le'Veon Bell being gone for three games as well. But a year-long suspension is not something that happens very easily. And for it to go that long, you don't know what's going to happen when they come back, a la Josh Gordon, so to speak. We'll see if he's the same player as well. And then to round out the woes in Dallas, Demarcus Lawrence, a four-game suspension for him. Every year we see these suspensions handed out, and every single year it seems like, why? How could you put yourself in that position? But it's always there, and I feel like it's ever-increasing. Tom covered suspensions and NFL players who aren't going to be participating due to off-the-field choices that they made that resulted in disciplinary action. Well, there's always reasons why players aren't playing Besides that, that's the injuries, the bad side of things. We hate to see guys go down, but it is a part of the game, and it's bound to happen. Starting with players on IR, let's keep it a homegrown thing here in Buffalo. With Reggie Ragland, a rookie linebacker, Rex Ryan said we got two guys out the draft who can start right away. He was one of them. Out for the season, he's on IR. Big loss for him. Hopefully, he can come back in the 2017 campaign and uh, bring some production to that defense. Also, linebacker for the Buffalo Bills, Shaq Lawson. He could be out for the rest of the season. We'll see how that is going to play out. But right now, they have him on the PUP list. He was hurt when he got drafted, so this was expected. Keeping it on the IR spectrum, tight end Ben Watson, out for the year, hurt in the preseason. We have this discussion every year when preseason rolls around in August. Should they be playing the games? Well, if they don't play the games, guys don't get that opportunity to shine and hopefully make one of the 53 spots. But then when you play games, you have injuries like this with 
Ben Watson. Also, Mike Jenkins, cornerback, Arizona Cardinals, out for the season. He is also on injured reserve as well. Another player who was drafted who didn't expect to play, Dallas Cowboys second-round pick Jalen Smith. He, too, is out for the season. But the biggest and most glaring news within the past couple of NFL months came to Minnesota. They got a new stadium, a new fill coming off a playoff berth. Quarterback Teddy Bridgewater out for the year after tearing his ACL in practice. Teddy Bridgewater's injury is unfortunate because it's going to take him out for this season. Um, so they will repair this, I'm quite certain. The operation will probably take place in a couple days once some of the swelling's gone down. Uh, but you've got to rehab the knee, and he's only 23 years old, so you really want to let him recover fully and invest in his future. Uh, he will not be playing, I do not think, this season again, but he should be back to full speed next year. Everyone saw it, and it was just something you did not want to see. And players and teammates and coaches said it was one of the worst things they've ever seen. Hopefully he can rebound and come back next year and be the quarterback that he was expected to be for this year. On the PUP list, players who are going to start the season on this list, they're generally out eight weeks. Outside linebacker in Kansas City, Justin Houston. He's been a very productive player on that Kansas City defense. Andy Reid loves him. They got an extension for him. He's now out. He's on that list. Sebastian Vollmer in New England, where he talked about their quarterback. Well, now we have the right tackle, the guy who protects him. He's going to be out for the PUP for the foreseeable future. Hopefully that offensive line in New England, which has been a cause for concern, um, can hold up with his loss. Deion Lewis sticking it with New England again. He's going to be out on the PUP list. He's somebody who can run the ball and catch the ball really great out that backfield. See him as a Shane Vereen and as a, uh, a running back who can get in between the tackles, a la Corey Dillon uh, for the Patriots. At wide receiver for New England, possible PUP uh, player, Danny Amendola. We know his recent brushes with injuries has come, and hopefully after this, they'll be gone but he may start the season on the PUP list. And then starting tight end for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ladarius Green also starting season on that PUP list. He's somebody who Pittsburgh likes in a short yardage game. I don't know how much of him not being on the field would be a loss for them because, again, Le'Veon Bell's out suspension. You've got a player in Martavius Bryant who stretches the field who's out with the suspension. And now you have a short yardage guy like with Darius Green out. Speaking of tight ends, Cincinnati's going to be missing theirs. Tyler Eifert out four to six weeks on the active PUP list. He's somebody besides A.J. Green, who also always can be healthy, is a big target on that offense. Andy Dalton looks for him. He's going to be missing on the field for almost half the season. Cincinnati won that division last year. I don't know if they can win the division with a big player like Eifert being out for that much time. And then in Dallas, we saw the emergence of quarterback Dak Prescott. Well, he's going to be the guy starting for Big D. Tony Romo out. Whenever you fracture part of your spine, it's a serious injury. So for Tony Romo, uh, this was a big deal. Just to be clear, he fractured the lumbar one vertebrae, which means... 
if you have there are five of the vertebrae in the lumbar space, this is the first one, right? So it's sort of in the middle of your back. And these injuries happen because this is your hip bone and this is your head up here. You literally crunch the spine. So these are the little discs that sometimes people talk about hurting. That's not where the problem was. He literally crushed the front part because as he was squeezed together and bent over during that fall, this bone crumbled. Four to 10 weeks with that back injury. Who knows if he'll come back? I've even heard speculation that either he should retire or Dallas just may cash in their chips and move on, cut their losses. This is a big injury, and Tony Romo's a seasoned player. He's 36 years old. He's a player who's been around the mill a couple of times, and he knows about injuries. He's been one of the most injured quarterbacks since 2013. So injuries are bound to happen. Hopefully these guys can return and get on the field and help their teams in any possible way that they can. With injuries, you've got players who are on the field who got hurt. But I know we're going to talk about a player who possibly wasn't even going to be on the field until a couple of days ago when him and his respective organization came to an agreement. All right, it is finally over. Joey Bosa has signed with the Chargers after a holdout that began in June. He is in the building. He gave a press conference to media earlier today, and he will practice with his teammates for the first time since the holdout started on Tuesday. The Bosa holdout's over. He finally signed. It was the longest holdout we've seen since the rookie wage scale began. And, you know, his father played in the league. He says that he credits his parents for guiding him the whole way. We'll see if this proved to be the right path for himself, his family, and the right path for the Chargers to take. He'll need to do a lot to prove that he was worth the wait in this year because he's already behind. Most definitely. And he needs to make up ground. We're going to finish this episode out on a slightly different note. Something that doesn't normally happen, especially in the NFL, happened fairly recently with a player that rose pretty meteorically and has kind of fallen, so to speak, since then. Colin Kaepernick. He's done something, said something, that not a lot of people have agreed with. Some have, some haven't. He's decided to put a stand or make a stand, so to speak, by not standing. He sits now for the national anthem. And he does this because he's trying to bring awareness to what's going on in this country. Again, I'm paraphrasing what he's said. And the things that are happening with people of color and the injustices that are happening with people of color. Mike, I want to get your opinion on this, and I'll say mine, but obviously this hits a little bit closer to you than it would to me. Yeah, it um, it's definitely, you know, had me sit back and think and, and just have a, a you know a little alone time to try to figure out and process things because of what Colin Kaepernick did by sitting when the national anthem was sang and or sung, I should say. And, you know, just thinking about, you know, his reasoning for doing that, which I'll come out wholeheartedly and say, I don't have a problem with how he did it. I don't have a problem with what he did. I don't have a problem with why he did it. Um, He has that opinion. He has that right. NFL has expressed that. But then my personal feelings tie into that by saying, yes, he can do that. 
he can sit and not participate in standing for the national anthem. People will say you're doing a disservice to the veterans that give you that right or protect your right to do what you've done. But then Colin Kaepernick feels very, very strongly about what he's seen across the nation with the injustice against policemen killing unarmed black males or unarmed males of color. And he's speaking out, which I don't have a problem with. The only thing is with this message, backlash will come. But I think getting that out there is the way to start up this conversation. I know it's been had before, and maybe other athletes, maybe some greater, will take a stand. Maybe not the same way Colin Kaepernick has done, but if this is what takes to ignite the fire, then so be it. With Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, and other athletes expressing near sentiments. They did it that way. Colin Kaepernick did it this way. You can fault him, but the reason, I think, cannot be lost, and you can't penalize him for that. I agree. He can't be penalized. But the one thing that I disagree with slightly is the message that he sends to me gets lost in the action that he decides to use to send the message with. People aren't talking about why he's doing this. People are talking about what he did and how it affects everyone else, how it affects veterans, like Mike said, how it affects the sensitivity of this nation. Things are changing now. There are people running for president right now that affect this. And... I understand why he's doing it. I applaud him for standing up for what he believes in. Not many athletes do. You know, we saw Muhammad Ali pass away earlier this year. We talked about it on this very show. And this might be a big reason why he's deciding to do this. Maybe he felt like he needed to use his notoriety in some way. Maybe he felt like this was the best action. I think he has the right to do it. I don't agree with what he does. Because I believe it's a lack of respect for people who have given their lives, or not even chosen to give in their lives. Maybe they were chosen without having any choice at all. But I still believe they gave up their lives for him to be able to do it. And that's not the focus. I just wouldn't have chosen that route. Hopefully he goes further with it. Hopefully he does follow what he says he's going to do, what he's been saying on Twitter well before this. And hopefully he does something more than just sit for an anthem. I'm glad that it started a discussion. I would just like to see it go further than this. I don't know if it will. We'd like to thank everybody for listening to the show. We appreciate everybody who listens. Always check us out at storyball.org. You can hear this on SoundCloud. You can hear this on iTunes. Thanks again for listening to Making Sense with Mike and Tom. Make sure you tune in next time. We're going to be talking about esports. Is it a sport? Is it a game? Is it something in between? 
There's a lot to this that people don't know. There's a lot behind this that people still don't understand. The United States government thinks it's a sport. It's deemed a sport. The money's rolling in. Many people are getting on board. We're going to look at this. We're going to see what's behind it. And we're going to show it to you on the next time. You've been listening to the Making Sense with Mike and Tom podcast on storyball.org. You can also find them on Twitter at MSW Sports. Listen to this and many other podcasts by searching Storyball on SoundCloud, Stitcher and iTunes. Thank you.